You're listening to the Write Project Podcast and Radio Program, a show about writing and modern Newfoundland author culture. This program is produced and recorded at CHMR-FM 93.5 FM in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador, and is aired on other great stations in the province and elsewhere in the country. It can also be heard online at www.chmr.ca. I'm your host, Matthew LeDrew. Welcome to a very special episode of the Write Project podcast, the first part in a new series where we'll be getting to know the board of the Writers' Alliance of Newfoundland and Labrador, WANL. On today's episode, we have Alicia Morrissey. At the last AGM, she was elected an at-large at WANL. She is the creative copy director at Rogue Penguin Creative. And she is a visual artist with the White Space Art Company and also teaches visual art to youth. Thank you for coming on, Alicia. Hi, Matt. Okay, well, I have a bunch of questions for you to answer to try and get you know, to know you as a artist or a person or whatever you want to say. And I'm just going to start firing through them and get to know you a bit better. Okay. Alicia, if you could tell your younger creative self any one thing, what would it be? You can make a career in the arts. That's fair. That's fair. You can. It's not easy, yep. but you can. You can. And, and you can be fairly successful with it, too. You just have to be creative about making a career for yourself. Yeah, you have to take that creativity and apply it to all sides of it, the business side of it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Alicia Morrissey, what are common traps for aspiring writers or creatives? I would say a common trap is uh, putting your faith or your future into a particular box, um, investing all your eggs into one basket. Um, people who have arts degrees often think, I'm going to be a writer, or I'm going to be a, um, a, a, a professor. You, you don't have to go those routes. You, skills are flexible, and, and once you start adding knowledge and information to those skill, skills, you can actually turn that into something not traditional and, and create something really successful for yourself. That's excellent. That's really good advice. Thank you. Uh, Alicia, what did you do with your first advance or money you made from your art? I bought uh, the, actually, it's it's uh, the, the first paycheck I received after opening this company. I went to Fred's Records here in St. John's and I bought the boxed set of the Led Zeppelin BBC Sessions. That might be the best answer yet. I yeah I, I love vinyl I love Led Zeppelin it was a bit of a splurge it it cost a fair bit but it was completely worth it I still listen to it regularly Did they not have good albums there? I'm not answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I'm trolling. You wouldn't do that. No. <laughs> Alicia Morrissey, what is the best money that you ever spent as a writer or as a on your art? Anything that I've done in continuing education. There was a, a really great business writing course that used to be offered through DELTS, which is a, a now closed um, a, a division of Memorial University. And this course was incredibly good at structuring the way that you think um, about writing for business in particular, but 
also writing for audiences. Um, I have a background in journalism, and I actually graduated from College of the North Atlantic with my journalism diploma. Me too. Um, yeah, yeah, and every piece of education, like I'm not university educated, but every single piece of education that I've picked up since, whether that's um, Facebook advertising courses online or whether it's uh, that amazing course that I did with Delts or whether it's any number of the other things that I do to learn every single day, picking up little bits of knowledge, even if you only learn one thing from a conference, that one thing is the valuable thing, I think. Yeah, I agree. Education never goes astray. No, it's worth every penny you ever invest in it. Because you're investing in yourself, and even if you learn something that applies to a different skill later in life, that's still Mm -hmm. valid. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it might not directly affect your career today, but very much like getting an arts degree and, and being told you're never going to get a job, you know, it's uh, that skill is going to come in handy at some point in your life. So learning things is never a waste of time or money. I agree, obviously. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Alicia Morrissey, what is uh, an important magazine or podcast or a mailing list for writers and creatives to subscribe to? This is a weird question. It used to just be magazines, but that doesn't really happen anymore. Well, I'm a, I'm a pop culture junkie, so I follow all of those things. I follow tons of podcasts, and I read lots of magazines, and, and I subscribe to lots of newsletters. I would say the best newsletter that I receive every week is Austin Cleon's newsletter. He uh, created the book Just Do It. He also created the book called Steal Like an Artist. It is appropriate for every writer. Is it appropriate for every artist? It is appropriate for every musician. It provides so much information. The second mailing list that I'm a big fan of, um, not to toot our own horn, but is Wannels, the Writers Alliance of Newfoundland and Labrador. It's chock-a-block full of opportunities and information and events and news. It's so helpful. As for magazines, I recently um, got addicted to high fructose, which is H-I-fructose, like the corn syrup. Okay. And uh, it's an arts magazine, and the stuff from contemporary artists coming out this year inspires both my writing and my artwork. That's awesome. Speaking of yeah, magazines, really you are, uh, while you're on the Wannell board, you are uh, the chair of the Word Committee, Word Magazine, are you not? I am. I can't wait to get into it when all this is over. Yeah, I'm. I'm in. I'm on that board as well. I've. I've uh, been a part of the last two issues, the last two years worth. I can't wait to work with you on that. It's going to be really fun. It's. We're definitely going to be taking a, a very innovative approach this year. Alicia Morrissey, how do you balance making demands of the reader with taking care of the reader? Or if you can't like alter that for your art, uh, then you can approach it as a reader. Do you like it when the author takes care of you or when they make demands of you? Uh, I'm in an interesting position for this question, and I'm going to answer both the how do I meet their demands as well as, or sorry, how do, how do I meet their needs and how do I coddle them? Um, as well as doing it from a reader's perspective. Okay. Um, as a writer, because I, I write quick, pithy marketing work, it's interesting 
because you really do want to guide your reader. You really do want to hold their hand and take them down the garden path and give them the story in the order of information that they need most. Yes, and almost to like do a pyramid that, story. Yeah. Sorry, I, I missed that. Sorry, almost like the old pyramid stories they teach you in journalism yeah. school. Yeah. Exactly. And you really do want to do that with marketing writing too because you want to get eyeballs on it first, but then you have to provide information. You have to do it very effectively, very quickly. So I really do try to meet the demands of my reader. In terms of challenging them, um, I very frequently challenge my readers um, by leaving them with a question. A, a call to action is is a common marketing theme. You'll see it everywhere. And that's the challenge. It's it's uh, putting something out there that really makes them excited and, and want to buy in. Yeah. As a reader, I prefer, I think, to be challenged by the author. Yeah. I, I think I like it when they make me do the work. Um, I've always read mystery novels um, since I was very young. And mystery novels are great for making you jump to conclusions. And I mean, I've usually got within the first hundred pages who the murderer is and, and a profile written for who they are and <laughs> where they live and what their MO is. So, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and you, you and I, I know love each other. being proved wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I, I enjoy when an author doesn't tell you everything, when they make you think about it, because then I, even at, even after the end of the book, because then I enjoy sitting down with someone else who's read or watched it like you and then discussing theories like yeah, for sure. And that's part of the fun, right? My partner and I just finished a book a little while ago, um, and there were parts of that book where we sat down and argued what actually happened in that, that chapter. Are you speaking of Annihilation? I am. Yeah. Yeah, we had this conversation about how we perceived what actually happened, and of course the book is all about perception, so that was a lot of fun. I get into arguments uh, about the book Life of Pi when I pose the question like if not all of it was made up was any of it true and what part and then people everyone has this like different idea of what was true in the story of life of pi true in air quotes true for the character i can't argue that one with you because i haven't read it yet oh read it it's on it's on my shelf it's on my shelf there are a lot of books i need to read that's fair that's fair that one's a quick one though as a writer or creative person, Alicia Morrissey, what would you choose as your um, mascot or avatar or um, your animal companion? <laughs> a penguin. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, I, I knew before you said it. I mean, it would just be not on brand for you not to say penguin. Absolutely. I mean, my constant companions as I write each day are my two cats, but uh, a, a penguin seems appropriate, especially Moody, the snarky penguin, who is the mascot of our company, Go Rogue Penguin. Yes. Um, sorry, sorry, Rogue Penguin Creative. He's, uh, he's, he's got one eye that he lost to a polar bear, and he's a grumpy little fella who's usually pretty snarky when he does comment on anything. I, I, I like love... I love Moody, and I every time he growls, I picture him like I, I I want there to be a picture of him like answering the question, "Why don't penguins fly?" And it's like, "Screw you, you fly." Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's exactly his personality. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He's my little sweetie. Yeah. 
Do you ever, does, do real people ever inspire your art? And if so, um, what do you owe them, if anything? Real people definitely inspire my art as a, as a visual artist, for sure. Um, as a writer, absolutely. Um, real people, when you're writing in, in a marketing field, understanding people is a key component of the job um understanding what they want and what they need in terms of what i owe them i owe them integrity uh whether that's visual art or whether that's uh written work for marketing or otherwise um yeah i i like to be straight with people i like to be transparent i like to offer them information that they actually need and and not try and sell you know crappy products they don't want um or need or that will hurt them in some way on the visual art side of things the the people who inspire me there there are hundreds of artists my entire instagram includes no real people it's just artists and what do i owe them i owe them my inspiration i owe them my likes and my shares and my my hearts and my um I, I owe them great comments supporting their work and, and purchasing their work more than anything <laughs> yeah for sure yeah. Wonderful. Excellent. I don't know answer. if I answered that one correctly. No, you answered that perfectly. There are no wrong answers on this show. Uh, Alicia Morrissey, how many half-finished books do you have, or will it alter it for you to say half-finished products, uh, projects? Half-finished books that I've written? Yes. Half-finished books as a writer, I have to have at least eight. Yeah, no, I... My first book was a crime novel that I started when I was in grade eight when I was given a typewriter for Christmas. I learned on a typewriter too. Yeah, I stayed up lots of nights banging out that horrible, horrible story, which I sometimes still go back and read. Uh, Yep, yep. Excellent. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, no, there's there's a couple on my laptop now. When I can't sleep especially, I tend to start writing stories in my head and then I sit down and I I write them out and have a glass of warm milk or a cup of tea, and then I can go to sleep. Yeah, wait for sleep to find you. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Alicia Morrissey, what does literary success look like to you? Uh, literary success, to me, is nebulous it's much like celebrity it's it's not a real thing it doesn't exist in the world you can put a certain goal on yourself in terms of numbers numbers of books sold or numbers of books written or published none of those things really matter if you were to really put success the word success on it finishing a book yeah. probably would be a big thing for most writers because it's yeah i have eight of them that are unfinished so you know yeah i, I yeah I just do agree. finishing it should be the success i agree yeah here's an interesting one for you this is one that you might be able to answer better than anyone so feel free to go go wild with it um alicia morrissey what is the best way to market your books in your opinion. Oh, let's go wild with this one. Yeah. This is everyone every other person is like, "Oh, I don't know because I don't get to talk to a lot of people who are familiar with that side of it." This is this is you. <laughs> go. Okay, marketing your book 
depends on your book. Yes. So if you write a romance novel, you can pull a pretty cool public stunt that will get people interested in your book. You can, you know, um, if you write a spy novel and you want your book to be huge, have somebody rappel down the side of a building and shoot video of it. If, if you write a book about um, God, a small town Newfoundland, fly in 10 book critics and stay in that small town and, and talk about writing and the love of words and those kinds of things, and then let them write something about it. The fact is, there are a million ways to do marketing. Not all of them have to be big stunts. Some of it is just Facebook advertising, and that sounds really boring, but it can be really effective. Yep. So choosing the right medium for your message and then really going for it, really putting your back into it and your money into it and your heart into it is what's going to make people pay attention. The more authentic you are, the more likely you're going to sell books. I uh, always point to Jenny Lawson, who wrote the incredible book. Um, two. Um, oh, so, sorry, go ahead. Two incredible books. Oh, yeah, she did write two incredible books. The, I'm thinking of her first one, though, and it, it was just, it was mind-blowingly funny. I can't remember the name of the first one. The second one was Furiously Happy. I can't remember the first one. Yeah, and you know what? It's here. It's on my bookshelf, and it's, I'm just blanking. But it's a hilarious book. Just Google Jenny Lawson, everybody, and read this book. Yeah. But it all came out of her blog. It all came out of, like, it, there was there was definitely a marketing push from her publisher, but her personality, her honesty, her experience was what made that book a bestseller. Um, not to mention the fact that she'd already had hundreds of thousands of readers from her blog. So write. That's the other way to market your book. Write about things and put them out there and see if people resonate. Because when you find your tribe, that's who's going to be your first buy-in. That's going to be the first person in line at your signing. It's going to be the first person to start their book club and say, we have to read this person's book. Awesome. Uh, if you Side question, still related to this one. If you, if you had a small budget, like enough of a budget to do a good campaign on only one service or one social media, like Twitter... Facebook, Amazon, whatever, for, for a book. If you could only do one, which would you do? Just out of curiosity, your gut reaction there. Depends on the book. That's fair. <laughs> Sorry. I know that's a very, like, uh, answer. Am I allowed to swear? Oops. No um, probably, but it's fine. fact of the matter is you choose the right medium for your message. So if you are looking to get young men between the ages of, 20 and 40 to read your book go to twitter and make a make a, a big splash on twitter um twitter advertising is a little bit more expensive but it's it's worth it if you're reaching the audience that you want to be reaching it's always worth it if you calibrate it right to meet the audience if your ads uh -huh. aren't working for you it's not the platform's fault depending on the platform it's usually your calibration's fault Absolutely. And again, look at your demographics. Where are your people? Find your tribe and then really push it to them. Okay. Alicia Morrissey, um, before you sit down to work on a project, what kind of research do you do, if any? And how long do you spend researching before you start a project, if, if you do? 
Research is a huge part of my work in the marketing world. Um, research tells me when when we look at a brand, a, a brand, I don't let's say Starbucks for example, what? you know they they use very specific metrics to get people in the door. They use very specific colors. They use very specific fonts on their websites and their apps, and they do that on purpose. It's because it all tells a story together. So marketing is about storytelling. If if you really want to reach a certain portion of the population, you have to appeal to them. And so research is huge in my line of work. Um, I do a great deal of research. Usually you can see me on the internet anyway, because that's where I live. Um, I'm a pop culture junkie, so that makes it very easy for me to pick up on trends and be aware of, you know, um, the news and, and current events and, and information like that, which really informs what I write every day. Um, in terms of writing a creative project, I usually just go with my gut, but I'm unpublished, so I I can't really speak to that side of things. I definitely like to get the facts right. Yeah. Um, if I'm if I'm going to sit down and write a medical drama, I I don't want my jargon to not make sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 But other than that, you know, I I don't really I don't really write creatively lengthy novels or short stories those kinds of things for fiction so i there's not a heck of a lot of research for me on that side of things alicia morrissey do you view writing as a kind of spiritual practice man (laughs) no i view writing as very practical practice yeah uh writing is my job it's how i make the money it's my outlet, whether I'm writing in my journal or whether I'm writing a short story for myself or whether I'm writing an, uh, an unfinished, unpublished book. Um, it's always very practical. It's about getting ideas on the page. Yeah, I like that answer. Alicia Morrissey, how long were you a part-time writer before you became a full-time one? Uh, well, it depends because I did work part-time in newspapers. Yeah. Um, while I also worked at sandwich shops, <laughs> um, I, I have worked freelance pretty much my entire life, whether that is part-time or full-time. Yep. Uh, yeah, I have just been a writer pretty much since I figured out the alphabet. And it's rough because even when you're, air quotes, part-time as a writer doing freelance work, you're usually putting in full-time hours. You're just not getting paid full-time hours. <laughs> That's very, very true. <laughs> like, you are absolutely putting in 40 hours a week. You're just not getting paid that much. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that's very much the truth. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's true to this day. Yeah, that is, and depressing to this day. <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> yeah. Alicia Morrissey, what period of your life when you write, do you draw inspiration from the most? Your childhood, teenage years, young adult, beyond? All of it. My collective experience gives me the perspectives that I have. So whether, again, regardless of what kind of writing I'm doing, the collective knowledge that I've gathered through formal education, right through to my my existing day-to-day life, and, and what I see around me it's it's all having an impact all the time okay that's a great answer i don't write about my childhood much i don't think 
Alicia Morrissey, what did you edit out of your last book? Um, a lot of a lot of the sexy details. Um, it's, no, really, it's 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 not a published book, but that's what I edited out of my last the last thing that I wrote. I wrote I I wrote a short story, and the sexy stuff is what I edited out. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> All right then. It ha- edited it out how because there's removed the scene removed the sexy stuff from the scene and then there's removed the character's sexy parts so that now the guy is like a ken doll glossed over okay is probably the best way to put it did not did not include uh, did not include any kissing and telling i see the kissing was there but we stopped the telling yes gotcha alicia morrissey in your opinion what are the ethics of writing about historical figures it's funny because i love historical fiction i love biographies and autobiographies um in terms of the ethics again i think you need to get the facts right i think the times and the dates and and things like that should probably be there um i went through a bit of a period where i read everything that philippa gregory wrote about the Tudors, and i really loved those books for their technical historical accuracies but the conversations were obviously all made up and and a lot of the um the the fun bits were thrown in there i mean we didn't know what happened to the tutors day to day so uh, you know that was the enjoyable part but it was nice that the history wasn't far off the mark the, the, the rules were in place, and I think that ethically is really interesting. The The other book that I immediately thought of was, uh, when you asked that question, was Lincoln and the Bardo, okay. which um, it's funny because it's written by an author who, uh, George Saunders, I believe is his name, who actually writes a lot of very historically accurate novels, and, and not even novels so much as their, their historical documents almost but this this book was was set as a play it was set around the time that uh abraham lincoln's son uh died and the night that he died abraham lincoln visited him at his at his gravesite and and that novel was fascinating because all of the information was correct but the characters that were surrounding it and the the story, the playfulness, the, the the somber tone, everything about it was very fun and interesting and kept me turning pages, even though it was written in a very unique way and it told a story that couldn't possibly be true. So I think when writing historical events, you you can't let your reader down by not doing the research. You have to include the facts, but you you can play with that. You can definitely make it more entertaining. Yeah. So what about something related to that? What about something like, you and I both love this show, but like Doctor Who? Or uh, to do it from a novel like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter? Like you're, you're taking this historical <laughs> thing and putting fantasticalness in it. Um, uh-huh. Like, what's, what's your thoughts on that? It, I, I think it's fine, but, you know, living descendants can sometimes... It can be trouble. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it is supposed to be entertainment value. I think uh, the Doctor Who episode you might be referring to is the Rosa Parks episode. That was brought up literally yesterday when I asked Amanda Labonte this question. 
Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's it's fascinating because, again, the facts were true. Yeah. Rosa Parks remained seated on a bus in Alabama um, after a long day at work. Granted, it's, you know, slightly more accurate in the in the episode because she she really was tired from doing activism work um not just as a seamstress um but those kinds of things it, very much like lincoln and the bardo which is again the characters in that book are the ghosts in the graveyard yeah. looking at abraham lincoln from the outside like you can inject so much fun and so much interest into those kinds of stories and if your facts are there then maybe somebody learned something too so is it an ethical question i mean look you can go completely off the wall and and do revisionist history which i actually find very fun and very entertaining to read but i i do try and google things when i'm reading was this the correct date was this character really real we just finished philip k dick's uh the man in the high tower and of course i'm googling all the german names you know the nazis trying to make sure that his facts were accurate i think um, with the with the invention of, of Google and, and back checking, the reader has an opportunity now, like never before, to see if your story is real or not. <laughs> That's that may be one of my ethical hangups that you should at least get your facts straight. That's fair, Alicia Morrissey. If you didn't write, what would you do for work? I had always planned on being a doctor lawyer when I was a child. A doctor lawyer, a lawyer a for doctor doctors, lawyer. or. Uh, I wanted to be a doctor with Doctors Without Borders, and I wanted to be a lawyer who fought civil rights cases. Okay. And I was like 10 when I came up with that. So, you know, I was a very fun child. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. uh, All right. Well, thanks for coming on again. For all of you, we'll be here again next week at 4.30 Newfoundland time or online at chmr.ca. Please tune in and we'll talk more about writing culture in Newfoundland.